0: Okay, well, Luke, we just watched you for the first time. Nicole Holofsen, is Enough Said. We did. And uh, I'm excited. I love this movie and I'd like to know what you think of it.
1: I liked it with... I had some problems with it. but okay. But overall, I, I enjoyed it.
0: I am going to just change film theory and film criticism for everybody right now. I'm going to coin a term for this movie. I'm going to call it, call it Adult Cute.
1: Yeah, I think that kind of says it. But, I mean, hasn't Jennifer Aniston and Sandra Bullock been doing Adult Cute for years?
0: Well, I th- I feel like this is, and it's the same with uh, the majority of her movies I've seen. I, I mean, I don't know. This is the reputation that she has. I've seen Friends with Money, Enough Said, and The Land of Steady Habits. Uh, which is her latest kind of directing effort. Um, And they all have a very similar kind of feel of being quite adult in nature, a little aimless, maybe. And I I just really like the way that she makes
1: films and I really like the performances that she gets from her actors. The performances were great. That was what... I I think that was what made the movie likable, what made me would what would make me recommend the movie more so than the script i really liked the first 30 or 40 minutes of the film where it wasn't as governed by a plot but then i think once she meets once she works out that her client is also albert's ex-wife then it goes into formula and it follows that formula and you essentially know exactly where you're going from that point on but up until then i really liked it i liked how they met i liked how it set up her life just her and him and their chemistry i especially loved him in this movie and i haven't really seen him and i come to this movie obviously without any of the sopranos context that everybody else would know him from and he was gorgeous and actually there's um there's a scene early on where they meet and he does a double take of her And it's just such a beautiful, beautiful moment of acting. And I actually thought he was the only nice person, genuinely likable person in the film. Everyone else was, I don't know. I don't know. It was very negative. I had a very negative view of everybody, her clients, the children, even she was kind of written dumb. Once she found out who the ex-wife was, she's just made really silly choices
0: i think in the films of hers that i've seen that and she's a writer director so she writes these scripts in the films of hers that i've seen it's a pretty common theme to have an adult make bad decisions make poor decisions make decisions that reflect badly on them Mm. um I think it's Ben Mendelssohn in the land of steady habits and you know, he, he smokes weed and you know, goes about dealing with his life, has bad altercations with his ex-wife. And so I think it's a running theme throughout the majority of her movies, but I think it works. And I think the reason that it works for me is because I buy the improbable coincidence in this movie, which is that she would be dating the ex-husband of a client and that she would become friends with that client.
1: Can I just say about that, would she not have mentioned his name? And Albert's not, uh, you know, a, a very common name and it would have at least led to the, oh, where's your Albert live? Or what's, you know, it would have, they would have worked it out. So it relies on the very improbable thing that these women have been spending hours talking about this person and they're both just referring to him as the flabby guy she's dating. And if that is true, then that doesn't say very much about either one of them as people.
0: And I, I look, I agree with you there, and that's why I say you've got to buy this improbable coincidence. Mm. And if you don't buy the improbable coincidence, you don't buy the film.
1: I guess the film has a bit of an indie vibe, and I didn't expect it to have the kind of formula I would expect to see in a mainstream romantic comedy I guess I was disappointed that it wasn't more aimless. And, I mean, this thing was script-doctored to the fucking nth degree. Like, it gives all these characters these individual sets of problems, and then the last half hour of the movie, one by one, all these little neat, tidy resolutions.
0: Yeah, uh, it's... It reminds me a lot in feel, I think, because of the locations that are used. The the fact that it shot a lot during the day, during sunlight, mm. during nice weather in the spring or the summer. It has a really nice feel to it that reminds me a lot of The Kids Are Alright. Um, obviously, it's completely different in um, subject matter from The Kids Are Alright. But it, it gives me the same kind of feeling of being... Uh, a a film that deals with adult problems in a way that is very different from the Sandra Bullock and the Jennifer Aniston movies that you were talking about. They're more fantasy, they're more unrealistic. This one doesn't have that.
1: No, and it's similar to The Kids Are Right in that it's dealing with, um, you know, people who are saying goodbye to kids who are going off to college and having to confront their own you know, where they'll be left and their own relationships in their lives. And um, so, I mean, I I got that as well from the movie. Like I I thought, oh, this is a bit like Kids Are Alright. But Where Kids Are Alright was messy. This film was very tidy. And Where Kids Are Alright was, um, I don't know, I I felt like the, the comedy was probably a little less prescriptive. This felt very, I felt like most, this was written, this was written with a great deal of wit, but I would say only half of it worked and was quite amusing and funny and the other half just felt written
0: yeah i, I mean you did laugh a fair bit but there was also a period of about half an hour where you didn't laugh and you know me loving this movie and showing it to you for the first time i'm thinking god does he like it does he like it
1: <laughs> but you know <laughs> i was what? very I, I actually, very
0: conscious of you not laughing for that period of time
1: i genuinely did like it i just think i was i was probably expecting more.
0: So let's just talk a little bit about the key players. Firstly, I love, love, love that in this movie, Toni Collette was allowed to use her Australian accent. Yes. It's, I, I just, she doesn't get that chance very often in the work that she does over in Hollywood, but I, it really kind of stood out to me and I thought that was a great choice.
1: I think I was thinking when I saw that it must have really surprised a lot of um, Americans who probably have never seen her in any of her Australian films or use her accent before. And to hear her do it, they probably, they probably most of them think she's American and are like, oh my God, she does the Aussie accent so well.
0: Yeah, they probably do. Because I I can't remember a, a Hollywood film or TV show where she's been Australian mm. and I haven't seen every any for everything so of course you know she could be but I thought that was a really good choice just to let her do that um this film was released uh after James Gandolfini's death uh which occurred a few months before the film was released um and I love him I just I just love him and I love him in this role I think he is just so affable he's so lovable he's like a big cuddly teddy bear um and i think he has my favorite scene which is when they're in the kitchen talking after he's found out that um julie louis Dreyfus is also friends with his ex-wife and they've had that breakup he's not returning her calls um and i think that's a that's just a really great honest scene uh i mean what did you think about that
1: he won me over in all of his scenes uh he's he's the he's the softest character he's the most gentle he's the one that doesn't come in making um judgments and the film's very very interested all the characters seem to be kind of very caught up in kind of the middle class problems and details of their lives you know and a lot of it's a lot of the characters talk in very unappealing ways and he doesn't do that his they they give him um They give him very sensible dialogue. He comes across as a man who's been very beaten down, um, who's probably put in a lot and not gotten as much back and has learned to accept that and now has seen this beautiful woman and he adores her and she just does everything in her power the whole time to make... It unpleasant, And I feel like he has, a, there are so many moments where he could have bad reactions and he doesn't. And that's why we like him that he doesn't make judgments on her for her bad behavior, because there's a lot of bad behavior from her in this movie. I mean, she at times is, um, I mean, she's so shallow and actually a lot of the characters are really shallow and, you know, he could, he would be within his rights to bite her head off. Like the most obvious scene being the whole, um, you know, calorie whispering scene at the dinner table.
0: Mm, yeah, that's a horrible scene.
1: And even though he makes it clear that he's hurt uh, and that he doesn't want to continue with her that evening, he's not disrespectful and he's not, um, he, he, doesn't, he doesn't give back spite. And, and all the other characters are so spiteful and snobby and self absorbed. Um even the ex-wife isn't done for, isn't done in a nice way. She just talks all about herself. And the other thing I didn't like about the movie was she talks about the ex-husband. She can't shut up about him, right? And then as soon as Julie Louis Dreyfus finds out that the ex-husband is Albert, she has to tease information out of her. And that didn't make any sense. It was like suddenly the character's position had changed to suit the formula and yeah that that I found annoying
0: the way that it's done that she the relationship between Julia Louis-Dreyfus and James Gandolfini becomes affected by the input from Catherine Keener I think that's done really well there's that scene in bed where she's uh kind of grilling him on some of his uh I guess foibles and she walks into the bathroom and she starts asking him these questions that really she has probably no interest in she would have no interest in it's the kind of thing you don't think about but i i really like after that she goes home and she's starting to look at some photo albums some family photo albums and she's looking at her wedding day to her ex-husband and she says i'm just trying to think of if i knew the things on that day that would later annoy me and i think that's such an interesting idea yeah like, do you know those things? Are they present during the courtship? Are they are they present before you marry somebody? Before they become a parent, before they become a problem. Are they present and do you ignore them?
1: Yeah, it's a really good moment. It has so much truth that moment. And this film in that kind of sense also has a like a chapter two sort of vibe about it it's two people who've been through love who've been heartbroken and are now it's like a second time around kind of thing and they're older and wiser and obviously it's scarier to take risks when you're older and we do do all of those things you know we we think that we found something perfect it turns out not to work out so then we're second guessing and reevaluating ourselves. And I think it's very frustrating to watch this person fight against her instincts to connect with this man because she's caught up in, in, in all this neuroses about, you know, because she's getting the influence from this other woman. And it's awful to watch somebody kind of, very kind of, you know, spoil something for themselves. And, you know, that's that that seems beautiful, actually, the one you're talking about in the kitchen, because that's where he says, "You, what about protecting us? Hmm. And she says, I didn't protect us. And those are some lovely lines there.
0: Yeah. And it, it's a real conversation when he says stuff like, you know what you should have done. You just didn't do it. Um, and, you know, even the point where he says, you broke my heart. I loved that. There's, there's a lot of really tender moments in that scene. And there's a lot of really tender moments throughout the movie. And that's yeah. part of the reason that I love it. Because uh, during those scenes where you feel like these characters are real and they're being honest, I think this film does it as well as anything.
1: It does. And there are so many good moments where um, she doesn't communicate with him and we actually see how destructive that is. Mm. Like when, you know, she's in bed and... Um, she's asking him questions, but not revealing why she's asking. And he sort of looks at her, and then there's a bit of an awkward silence there. And that happens over and over again. Um, that's I wish the film had focused on that more and probably taken out more of the sort of stock characters. I felt almost like it tried to juggle too many characters, probably. Because that's what we wanted. We wanted them. That was what was interesting about the movie. You don't
0: often see... Um, Julia Louis-Dreyfus in a movie. You often see her in leading roles, but you don't often see them in movies. And Mm. this movie kind of... It feels like a vehicle for two people that were ignored in that respect, to me. Or maybe too busy. Or too busy, yeah. Too popular in other things. Maybe typecast, to an extent.
1: Yeah, because I think this film clearly shows that had Gandolfini lived, he would have become... Probably he would probably be in movies now where he'd be playing mob bosses in Scorsese films and Marvel villains. Like honestly, it feels like the sky is the limit for him because he is so charismatic and he's so talented. It's just really sad.
0: Yeah, it is really sad. He won a bunch of awards from this movie as well.
1: And Julia Louis Dreyfus, Dreyfus is amazing. I've always thought she's amazing. And her best moment in the movie for me is the sequence where she's saying goodbye to her daughter. It's no dialogue. Um, but there's so many things she has to manage in that scene she has to look stricken but also be reassuring to her daughter whenever her daughter catches her glance she has to be conscious of her ex-husband there they have a fractious relationship but right now there he's the only other person who knows what she's going through and I just felt like she was, so, was so focused and her energy was so on in that scene it was totally convincing and beautiful
0: yeah i feel like obviously of the seinfeld four julia louis-dreyfus and jason alexander are the kind of standouts when it comes to acting but i don't yes. think jason alexander's really had the enough said moment
1: no and he probably didn't have the same advantages as her because he's a very uh, distinctive looking person whereas julia louis-dreyfus is a beautiful woman mm-hmm. so <laughs> yeah yeah. um, Catherine Keener's character is
0: pretty reprehensible, I find.
1: Yeah, she is. But, you know, it's funny because for the first 40 minutes of the film, the only person that actually asks Julia Louis-Dreyfus anything is her, apart from Albert. Albert. Hmm. So you're like, where is this woman's friends? Why doesn't her daughter care about her? Why doesn't any of her? Why aren't any of her clients nicer? Why are they all gross? I mean, you know, there's one guy with bad breath. There's another woman who just won't shut up about her daughter, and then there's another guy that won't help her carry a massage table up the stairs. And we just get these three people, and that was when the film started. I was kind of like a bit shocked about its attitudes about other people. It just seemed to show everybody in the world as being really gross. Yeah she fit right in. Like she wasn't noticeably awful. She was just another awful person.
0: Yeah. And I, I, look, I feel like the, the, obviously Julia Louis-Dreyfus's character is a lot different from the majority of people in the movie. I, I feel like she's a lot better than them.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, her friend, Tony Collette is, is good, but she's not really given much. Her issue is that she keeps rearranging the house because she's sexually frustrated and emotionally repressed. She's almost in the she's almost in the beginning stages of what Julie Louis Dreyfus
0: and Catherine Keener have been through.
1: Yeah. And honestly why would you ever go to dinner with any of these people? Because they have the most awkward conversations. I mean they just basically announce to the table that their marriage is in trouble every five seconds. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, like there's no covering, there's no social covering that you would normally see with people at dinner the daughter is actually quite nice but again she's given so little to do and it's interesting how they kind of wedged this Chloe character in there uh, as a way to sort of or Chloe, I can't, whoever whoever the daughter's friend is, um, to sort of get the conversation happening between the mother and daughter about what they weren't confronting, which they weren't confronting. How are we going to manage without each other? How are we going to say goodbye? Mm. But yeah, those were the only characters I thought that were not actively awful. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. I
0: and I I, I would agree with that. I think I think more so than awful, I think that majority of characters are um as you say there is a bit of negativity to them but at the same time a lot of them are kind of struggling to find the positives in their situation and that's understandable that it would come from that point whereas i feel like marianne the catherine keener's character is a little more negative for the sake of being negative she doesn't seem to have a lot of positives that she's putting out into the world, which is something that her character often talks about.
1: Yeah. One thing that I thought was interesting that the movie talked about was, you know, there's this idea that Julia Louis-Dreyfus has been divorced for 10 years. She's quite cut off. She's basically been living for her daughter, right? That's what we're led to believe. Um, Put all of her energy into that. Now the daughter's leaving. So then she meets Albert and he's lovely and they have really good chemistry But there's a little bit of shame there for her because whenever she talks to anybody about him, she's talking about, oh, he's not quite what I would want, you know, physically. He's a bit flabby or, but he's really nice, but we have really good sex, blah, 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 blah. Um, And then, and then that starts to bleed into how she's talking with him. Like with, you know, the whole watching what he eats and suddenly he's not good enough. And... I think even without the Catherine Keener character there in her head, that would be true. And that would be, I mean, that, that can be true without the Keener character. That's true for most of us who've, who we, you know, we've all had relationships with well, the guy's really nice. Um, but I'm just not, I'm just not, I don't know. May, maybe I wouldn't like to introduce him to my friends, or maybe I would feel I would need to explain this person to my friends. Mm. And, you know that's that's an awful thing to to think. Well, we've even had we've even had friends stand behind stand
0: behind us at events that we've gone to to meet people, going no, no, no,
1: when we meet somebody, haven't we? <laughs> that's right. So, uh, but yeah, I like that the movie explored some of those sort of more ugly thoughts that we have when we enter into relationships. Mm.
0: Yeah, and and it would be. Uh, a lie to say that we don't have them. I mean, there's always, I think everybody meets somebody. uh, You know, each person that they meet, there's things that they would be embarrassed about to show to certain people in their lives.
1: But Damien, let me ask you, because I know you think very highly of this movie. Didn't it bother you that all of those supporting characters just were given one thing? Like, Tony Collette was given the furniture moving. Her husband was given this weird sex addiction thing. Um, like, you know, the way it just, like, would pick one thing, that was the character's issue, and then it would fix it at the end, sort of.
0: Uh, no, not really, because I don't think the film focuses
1: on those characters for a reason. Uh, the film. But, I mean, we've seen films like this where the supporting characters are more substantive.
0: Yeah, we have, but I guess the film's not about them to me. And, I, I, I mean...
1: Which is why I wish that they weren't in it. I feel like they almost take up too much time. They're not very interesting. Their stories are kind of, okay, yep, there's the problem, there's the solution.
0: Yeah, I mean, you could write a movie just about Eva and Albert and I would be in on that without anybody else in it. Because I love those I would, two characters. I would, yes,
1: I would be more in on that than I was in this. I almost felt like, you know, there was sort of um, a good movie in here somewhere, but there was all this these characters, supporting characters that weren't properly shaped and, you know, were sort of just dull. So this is
0: um, the director's highest grossing movie and most successful movie critically. Hmm. Um, 95% on Rotten Tomatoes.
1: Yeah, I think it's the only one of hers I've seen. I may have seen Friends with Money. I I don't remember anything really about it, though.
0: Yeah. Yeah, fair enough. Um, well, I mean, would this make you more likely to go and find something else from the director? No. Okay. Well, at least you're honest
1: because i think uh, <laughs> uh, well i think my i mean look the way it was shot was fine it was pretty um the way it was written was were probably where most of my issues were the thing that made it great for me or or the thing that i liked about it were Gan- uh, gandolfini am i saying his name right james gandolfini yes yeah gandolfini and Ju- julia lewitt Dreyfus. like it, they they for me were the highlight but but the script was a little too too neat and to formula,
0: um, I think maybe I just re- really like kind of sunny, happy um, films about adulthood set in California.
1: I mean, have you ever seen like We Bought a Zoo? I
0: I don't know if I ever did watch that.
1: Or, like, how would how would this rate to you next to something like Little Miss Sunshine or As Good as It Gets?
0: Uh, I think I've always thought of Enough Said as being a little bit lightweight. um, And I think that holds true after this viewing as well. But I think it's got a likability to it that um, just kind of puts it up there. As I said, you don't see those two actors in a lot of movies, so that's a credit to it. I, Mm. I don't think you see adults talk as honestly in certain scenes in... Romantic films and in comedies, as you do in enough said, Um, so that's a credit to it. And I think that the performances from the the two main actors, I think, are excellent. I think Julie Louis Dreyfus, her little quirks and odd mannerisms, work so well for that character. Um, Mm. And as I said, James Gandolfini, you just you just love. Um, And like I said, I'd be on board with a movie just about those two. Uh, Yeah. So yeah I, I think it's a bit lightweight compared to something like As Good As It Gets which deals with bigger topics um but uh, that said I I still think Enough Said is a really excellent movie
1: and this came out sort of in that period where you know these indie films were coming up people mm. like Lisa Cholodenko and this filmmaker and um you know we were getting these sorts of kind of hybrid comedy drama type movies yes yeah and look I I would. I'm gonna give it. I would give this film probably three or three and a half out of five. So I'm gonna like. I'm more in the camp of like than dislike. Yeah, it's it's by no means a perfect movie, um, but it's a. I would have liked more mess. I would have liked the character. I, sometimes I felt like the characters were locked into getting the plot to where it needed to go rather than just being allowed to be free. And when it first started, it had that quality. And then I feel like it got more and more myopic. Well, I mean, look, I give this film four out of five. Yeah, I think that's completely reasonable. Like, I don't, I, I, I think it's a good movie. And it might have just been that it was, you know, this particular one didn't speak as loudly to me. But you know, I I would I probably like Little Miss Sunshine more than you. Yeah. And really it's you know, it's six
0: of one, half a dozen of
1: the other. Yeah, it really is. It's just gonna be whichever one for whatever reason. The nice thing about these movies that is that there's one author. And I think that's Yeah. You know Yeah. That is so refreshing to see a movie like this.
0: Did you ever see Can You
1: Ever Forgive Me? No, but that's another kind of yeah, like, that's sort of almost like a, a neo-independent dramedy, right? Like, it came out decades after those kinds of movies were being made.
0: Yeah, I mean, she... she um, sorry, Nicole Holofcener wrote Can You Ever Forgive Me and was nominated for the Academy Award for it.
1: Ah, oh, okay. Well, that I would probably be interested to see. And she's co-written the new Ridley Scott film. Well, uh, you know, hey... Good luck
0: with, <laughs> with that because he with, needs all the help he can get. It's like you're combining Enough Said and Goodwill Hunting and giving it to Ridley Scott for some unknown reason.
1: <laughs> but I'm, I'm super glad I saw it. Do you know mostly why? Because it really, really made me love James Gandolfini and I've never seen Sopranos. If I had not seen this, I probably wouldn't have seen him do anything kind of, you know, real meaty. Mm. And I just loved him. I loved watching him. I loved their relationship. It was beautiful.
0: Yeah. You could fall in love with James Gandolfini. You could fall in love with Albert.
1: Well, he was perfectly cast because he doesn't look like, you know, Liam Hemsworth, but he has something about him that is appealing, that is sexy. And so he was just right for that role.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well, I reckon that's um, enough said about
1: enough said. All righty, <laughs> leave it there. <laughs> Thank you. I'll see you later.